Welcome back to episode two of T's and TD's. Thank you so much. If you are rejoining us, I'm David Kaplan. Uh, we are back with Aaron Martin for some NFL discussion. Talk a little bit about the week 17 game, sort of projecting forward to week 18 and the playoffs as we get close to tea time here on that. So some good discussion with him going through those results, looking at week 18, looking at the playoffs. And we also give some gambling warnings for week 18. And we talk a little bit about some best bets that we do like. So there is that. And then, you know, this is prime time for T's and TD's because we got the thick of the NFL season, the end of the season, as well as the playoffs, the important part, I should say. And then we've got golf starting up there in Hawaii for the Century Tournament of Champions. It's a field of 39. So just very excited to get some prime time golf to match our primetime football this weekend. So I'm going to have Brad Lewis on. Brad actually played the course that they're going to be playing this weekend. We get some insights from him. Also sort of develop the statistical profile of somebody that I think could do well. So we give out a couple of names based on Brad's experience and based on some of the stats and looking into that. So thank you for joining us for episode two. First up is Aaron Martin talking week 17 and beyond. And then Brad Lewis bringing us home. All right, so we're back for week two, Aaron Martin, T's and TD's. Uh, here's the plan. First of all, Aaron, what's up? How you doing? Good to be here. Good to be back. I'm glad that my first appearance went so well that you had you, to have me back. For oh, a you, you know, it's been 10 years together. I figured what's another week. Uh, so yeah, this will be Aaron's last appearance on the T's and T's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, we certainly, uh, texted a lot about these games, uh, last week as they were happening. So here's the plan. We're going to kind of, uh, tick through some of the results from week 17 and basically look at them in the context of week 18 and beyond. Um, I think it would be foolish for us to try and come up with all the seeding implications, uh, and everything like that. Obviously there are still a few things to be resolved and we will talk about that, but I think obviously we look at last week, uh, as a snapshot and then kind of, uh, project going forward. So we'll go through a couple of these games. Then what we're going to do is, is just kind of talk week 18, some of the games that really matter. And then we'll obviously recap our best bets from week 17 and we'll dish out some of our best bets that you should, uh, obviously do the opposite of, uh, for week 18, uh, if you'd like to make a little bit of money. Although I will say we had a pretty good week 17, not to toot our own horn. We did. We had a great week. We'll get to that too as well. Okay, here we go. So uh, first thing that we have to talk about here is, is this Bengals cheats game. Uh, we'll talk about this in our best bets from week 17. I loved the over in that game. It hit relatively easily, which was good. Um, but Bengals chiefs, uh, tell me what you saw, what you felt both teams. Obviously we, we, we were able to learn uh, a couple things about what was a key and awesome game. Oh, I was going to say that was such a fun game to be watching just the back and forth. Uh, we've known Jamar Chase is a stud and he certainly proved it, especially against the Chiefs defense that has played so, so well over the last what, 10, 12 weeks. I mean, Burrow and Chase and Higgins and the whole Bengals offense just made them look silly. It, it was great, though. I mean, we learned a lot. I think we learned that the Bengals have that next gear against a top level opponent. I remember early in the season when they played the Packers, you kind of saw glimpses of it, but they couldn't put it all together. This game, they put it all together. It's not like the Chiefs didn't show up. They took a 14-0 lead, and the Bengals had to fight back, and then they just stomped on the gas. Uh, that whole ending sequence with Zach, with Zach Taylor, we were texting about it as it was happening, but Zach Taylor on the goal line, fourth and goal, uh, leading up to that moment, he's playing it as if he's trying to w run out the clock and play for the field goal, and then he goes for it, 
gets lucky that there's offsetting penalties, goes for it again, gets lucky that there's a holding call, and then he's able to kick the game-winning field goal. It was just such a weird, weird sequence. So I guess my takeaway is the Bengals have the ability to turn it on. I'm not sure if they can consistently do it through more than a single round in the playoffs, and I still don't trust Zach Taylor at all. Would love to know what that game looks like in Arrowhead. I mean, that was one thing that I came away with. I, I think the Bengals, we talked about this last week, just the the weapons that they have and, and how much fun they are to watch. Uh, really interesting just to see that that Bengals performance kind of reminded me of what we think the Cardinals could kind of be where they have incredible Mm -hmm. talent in the receiving core. Uh, They, they, they can run the ball and, and that offense is just explosive. Some of those Jamar, I mean, that was unbelievable performance. I, I I rewatched a couple of those touchdowns and a couple of those catches uh, a lot. And and we forget that they have, you know, they have Tyler Boyd and they have T Higgins. I, I just, I do think those offensive weapons, weapons are are awesome and the offensive line certainly played a little bit better and that manifested itself uh we talked about this Bengals secondary as as being something that could cause some problems obviously Mahomes had a pretty good game uh, against that secondary so you know that game ended up being uh, a track meet and and we saw them eke it out Bengals could have just as easily lost that game and I think we are clear-eyed about that but the fact that they are able to hang in there and and play with the Packers like they did earlier in the season, play with the Kansas City Chiefs like they did last week. I certainly think that that is something that that we can absolutely infer that they 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 can make a run uh, this month for sure. What did you yeah. learn anything about the Chiefs? Anything that stood out to you uh, on on the Kansas City side? I mean, honestly, not really. I mean, I still think they're probably the best team in the AFC. Uh, they're likely not going to get the number one seed now, but. I mean, to me, that just showed me that the Bengals have the ability to play with those top teams. I didn't take anything away from that game saying the Chiefs aren't up to par or their defense isn't good enough or, you know, Mahomes isn't consistent enough. I still think the Chiefs are really, really good. I agree. And I think, you know, the Chiefs, if they, you know, they would likely play their first two playoff games in Arrowhead and there's value to that, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I absolutely think they, they are still top dogs. I, you know, Daryl Williams, everybody wanted to make a lot about how the Chiefs got really hot when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire came back. Daryl Williams had a great game, and I think he's a pretty good weapon in the run game and the passing game. That offensive line is still pretty strong. So um, I think if the Chiefs did need to to utilize him, I I don't think that Edwards-Hilaire to Williams is a huge drop-off. I think both guys are pretty good. So um, I think the Chiefs have figured something out here. I mean, their offense obviously struggled a lot uh, midway through the season, but they figured out that they can – play it short. They don't have to go deep every play and they can run the ball. Um, Tyree kill, still Tyree kill, Travis Kelsey, still Travis, Travis Kelsey. And they're going to get contributions on the edges. You know, they'll get just enough from a Byron Pringle. They'll get just enough from a Michael Hardman to still be effective and still be the team to beat in the AFC. Absolutely. I mean, but just, it's interesting when you think about these two teams and this will be the last note is just comparing the, the skill set, the skill personnel. I mean, you, you take the Bengals versus the chiefs and, and you like the talent on the Bengals offense uh, a little bit more. I think obviously the chiefs defense we've seen uh, be a little bit more consistent during that eight week stretch that they had this win streak, but just kind of a really awesome game to watch and, and see two, two teams that are clearly some of the class of the AFC. Uh, speaking of the class of the AFC, 
right now, the Tennessee Titans are the one seed and the road to the Super Bowl goes through Nashville. Curious uh, what you took away from their dominating performance of the Dolphins last week. I genuinely, I didn't give this out as a best bet, but I thought the Dolphins were going to at least cover and, and play a good game. And certainly Tennessee crushed them. So any thoughts yeah. about Tennessee, especially as the one seed, as we, as we talk right now. I think they're just showing that they may be the most consistent team in the AFC. I mean, week to week, they really do show up. They, they play hard. And, and even when they, they feel outmanned, I think we've been saying this over and over again, without Derrick Henry, that team's missing such a key piece. They were missing AJ Brown for so long, but they just have found a way to really play hard and play well when they've really, really needed to. I mean, that Niners game, I think a lot of people assumed they were going to lose uh, a week and a half ago, and they didn't. They came out, they were down 10 nothing at halftime, and they came back and scored 20 unanswered points and found a way to win at home. Uh, this Dolphins game, I mean, I think a lot of people, myself and yourself included, had some questions about the Dolphins, uh, given that on this seven-game winning streak, they hadn't really beaten any good teams. But Having said that, I mean, they got, this was a game that I was intrigued by. It was a stay away from a gambling standpoint because I just didn't know what was going to happen. And the Titans just came out and took care of business and really, really impressed me in so many ways. I'm not going to say that they're better than the Chiefs because I don't think they are with or without Derrick Henry back for Tennessee, but I've been impressed with them. And they certainly have given me a lot to look at and consider, uh, especially if they're able to take care of business against the Texans this week. Hard to beat a team twice for sure, but uh, the Titans thumped the Chiefs earlier at home. Obviously, the Chiefs were a different team earlier in the year. So if Kansas City does have to go to Tennessee, certainly going to be an interesting matchup. Derrick Henry has opened up his window to potentially come back off of the injured reserve. That is something certainly worth paying attention to, but... It really, I mean, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, but Dante Foreman had an incredible game against the Dolphins who have a relatively decent defensive front. And, you know, all this buzz about Mike Vrabel potentially being coach of the year certainly makes a little bit more sense, especially if if Tennessee uh, does in fact take care of business and maintain the one seed. So certainly will be interesting. One quick note. And and I, just, I, I was going to say quickly on that note too, real sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, think about this going into January. You have a Deonta Foreman, Derrick Henry combo going up against defenses. I mean, running the ball certainly makes such a difference in January. That defense is playing pretty well. I mean, I can't imagine anybody's going to want to tackle either one of those guys, especially if they're fresh in the third, fourth quarter. So basically if that defense can keep the minute, Tannehill doesn't make any big mistakes. I mean, that's the formula for them to get to the Super Bowl. Derrick Henry is still sixth in the league in rushing yards. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, it's wild. Another quick note that I was going to mention, Tannehill – always gets this rep for not turning the ball over a ton. He has 14 interceptions so far this year, which was something that surprised me a little bit. So uh, when you run an offense like Tennessee does, every offensive possession means a lot. And I didn't realize it was that high, but obviously the Titans still find a way to win. And for all intents and purposes, looks like they, they could get the one seed. So we'll certainly keep paying attention to that. Uh, Rams Ravens thoughts on that game uh, looking forward for, for especially the Rams. Well, I think this was a, a gutsy win for the Rams because they certainly did not have their A game. Uh, I think I predicted last week that Stafford would, would figure things out. He did not figure things out. Stafford is still a mess. Uh, he had two very bad interceptions, including that pick six. Uh, so, I mean, look, they're, they're not going to be able to do much of the playoffs unless Stafford kind of gets out of his own way. But I was impressed that the Rams still found a way to win when their quarterback clearly was holding them back. Uh, that defense played incredibly well. I mean, Baltimore's, of course, shorthanded uh, with Tyler Huntley playing. But, uh, yeah, I, I was still impressed with the Rams, but I came away saying to myself, 
if Stafford doesn't figure this thing out, they're in the exact same spot they were in with Jared Goff last year. Doesn't make for great podcasting to agree with you, but for all <laughs> intents and purposes, I thought the, the Ravens had that game pretty locked up and yep. for them to come back in the way that they did, I think it was a gutsy win. Certainly something that could be galvanizing for the Rams is there. They won their fifth straight. You know, there's a, there's a narrative for that team. If they uh, take care of business this last week that, Hey, we've won six straight coming into the playoffs and and we're dancing and, and we can beat anybody in, in multiple different styles. So we'll certainly be interesting to see how they handle week 18 and then going forward into the playoffs Packers Vikings. Uh, not a lot to say on this other than, you know, Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things. The Vikings without Kirk Cousins just were never going to put up much of a fight and they didn't. Uh, Packers clinched the one seed. I think uh, we saw this coming for a little while. Uh, it's, you know, I'm still not totally convinced that they're they're good enough to run the table, but having the, the entire playoff field go through Lambeau certainly gives them a huge advantage when there's so much parity this year. You know, I thought a lot about our conversation last week, just about the Packers and, and certainly them being contenders and certainly the value of the NFC going through Lambeau. I, I was curious. I wanted to look their three losses this year were that week one game against the saints when they got absolutely crushed. It was 38 Hammered. to three. They lost to the chiefs at home with no Aaron Rodgers. And they lost in Minnesota to one of those, you know, NFC North games that just, it it was in Minnesota and Cousins played really well. Jefferson had a big game as well. Those are their only three losses. Their defense has, has hung in there. Are you going to trust them in January? Probably not, but it, it sure seems like maybe this is the most dominant team in the league and we're, we're just not giving them the credit that, that they deserve. And that, and that was one of my takeaways just coming from the game that they played on Sunday night. Admittedly, the, the real job was, was keeping me pretty busy. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to watch too much of the game, but certainly just following along on Twitter and, and seeing that final box score. I absolutely just think that it's going to be hard to stop that team, especially, you know, AJ Dillon rushed for two touchdowns. So we talked last week about how he's a guy you don't want to tackle in Lambeau in January. Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Aaron Jones is really good, obviously. So I just think that maybe we're, we're overthinking this and the Packers should be the favorites to, to not have too much trouble getting to the Super Bowl, and who knows what happens from there. And I think that's a really good point. I think the fact fact that you looked at their schedule that way, I think that is a really good point and certainly could end up playing out from what we've seen. I just think there's there's scar tissue that exists there. I mean, think about the national games they've had. They obviously did not look good in that Chiefs game when Aaron Rodgers was out. That Browns game, they looked really bad. I mean, Mm -hmm. at least they look good for about two and a half quarters. Mm -hmm. And then they were up 24-7, I think, or 24-10 and let the Browns crawl all the way back. And the Browns really should have won that if Baker doesn't throw four interceptions. I mean, I think the Browns probably win that pretty easily. So I I think that fact has me a little little concerned, not totally sure they have it. I'm still liking some other teams, the NFC, but as you said, going through Lambeau is such a gigantic advantage, especially when there's no dominant team you know, that, that could be all it takes. And and I certainly, I'm not going to make a habit of betting against Aaron Rodgers, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Ravens game comes to mind too. If the Ravens convert the two point, uh, you know, get the two point conversion, then, then we, maybe we have a different conversation as well. So uh, Cardinals Cowboys. Boy, I didn't see this one coming. Cardinals played really, really well. And they, they show that I think that they're capable of putting it together. 
the, you know, the Cowboys have these games where you just watch them and you go, man, they have all this talent. Their defense is so good. Uh, the receivers are incredible. You know, Pollard and Elliott is a heck of a one-two punch. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. And then they have these games where they just seemingly fall apart. Now, they made a nice little comeback toward the end, made the score look a little more respectable. But I watched a lot of that game and I just came away thinking, man, maybe this team isn't built for the playoffs and maybe the Cardinals are, should be getting more respect than we're giving them. But this was the one game that I didn't see coming and, and now has me reconsidering what those two teams could do in the playoffs. It was certainly easy to look at the Cowboys' performance against Washington on Sunday night a couple of weeks ago and think, woo boy, but... <laughs> They clearly, they ran the ball 17 times for 45 yards in this game. And it was only 13-7 at half. It wasn't like a game flow thing. So who knows if they weren't showing cards. They knew they've locked up the NFC East. I don't, I don't want to look too much into it uh, beyond not sure exactly what, what sort of the game plan was here. They lose Michael Gallup. I think that matters. Gallup's very good receiver. I hate that he tore his ACL in a contract year. You obviously never want to see that. I'm wondering if it has a net positive in a sense on this offense with the Mm. dominant receivers they have on the outside, possibly getting Zeke and Pollard more involved because clearly that's something they can do and, and probably would behoove them to do given how good the offensive line is here in the playoffs. So again, losing Gallup is awful. It's not, it's not a net positive, but I am wondering uh, if Dalton Schultz, the tight end, who's pretty talented, gets a little bit more involved in this offense as well, I, I just will be interested to see that. And then defensively, Cowboys still able to take the ball away. I, I still, I still think that defense is very good and and has talent at all three levels. So uh, they're they're definitely a team I think that could get hot. Dan Quinn, say what you will uh, about his time as a head coach in Atlanta, it, it didn't end super well, but it certainly feels like he's got the defense that that can play well, even though Arizona's offense looked pretty good. Arizona eight and one on the road this year. Something to keep in mind yeah. if they play a road game, uh, which they will uh, here in in the playoffs. That, that's kind of the amazing thing with Arizona. I mean, I, I look back at it and I say, what, what were we missing with the Cardinals? Because I, I especially was very strong last week in saying that I wasn't a believer, but no James Conner, no DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray played pretty well, but it's not like he had some incredible, you know, Josh Allen-esque game against the Patriots. He was solid. He was good. I just, I'm really, really impressed with that team and how they played. But having said that, if these two teams have a rematch in two weeks, I'm not taking the Cardinals. I'm still taking the Cowboys because I'm not convinced that they have the the horses up front to do that consistently. And like you said, maybe the Cowboys were holding back some cards thinking that, no pun intended, but thinking that they could see each other again in a couple of weeks. All right, let's tick through these last four somewhat quickly. Eagles beat Washington by four. Did you learn anything about the Eagles? No, because I, I haven't been a believer in the Eagles from the beginning, because I, as I mentioned last week, I don't think they're, I just think they're really good at beating up on not very good teams. So that didn't change anything for me. I still think the Eagles are about as average as average can get. Uh, I still don't trust Jalen Hurts when things come down to it. They got some experience, but I'm just not sold. So that game did nothing for me other than reinforce my already strongly held belief. Four game winning streak, Jets, Washington twice, New York Giants. So to your point, uh, I understand exactly what you're saying. I am still a believer in them. I think just because if they can control the ball and and run as well as they have, uh, I think Sanders is supposed to come back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, It is a broken hand though. So that's certainly something that who knows, but uh, they, they still were able to run the ball effectively against a pretty good 
Washington run defense in both the games they've played in the last two weeks. So by virtue of that, I I'm interested and their defense has been playing relatively well, but again, competition, certainly something you need to take a look at bucks, barely beating the jets thoughts on that. Yeah. The jets got goaded, especially at the end with that 90 plus yard touchdown drive. Um, you know, I think the bucks came out flat. Uh, obviously the Antonio Brown saga didn't help things at all, but I, I think what this showed us, in a way, and I'm not taking a lot from this game, but what I think what it showed us is that when the Bucks aren't healthy, like they aren't right now, I mean, the secondary's a mess, no Lenny Fournette, uh, no Chris Godwin, obviously no Antonio Brown now. I, I think that really impacts how this team can play and really impacts how they're going to compete and only kind of further reinforces that belief I have that they're a prime candidate to potentially get upset in the first round or at the very least not make it to the championship games because I, I just think that they're so beat up right now and I don't know how they can recover from it. No Shaq Barrett, no Jason Pierre-Paul in this game. They barely win. Their offensive weapons just aren't quite there. Have to throw in the Tom Brady caveat, so I think we're on the same page as it relates to the Bucs. They could potentially make a run. They also could get knocked out in the first round. I think I'm with you there. Patriots just shellacking the Jaguars. Yeah, the Patriots are good. The Jaguars are not good. Next. Mac Jones uh, certainly had a good rebound game. Uh, his a- I looked up his average depth of target was nine yards in this game. So a little bit longer. He didn't quite have the, uh, so he was able to throw the ball a little bit down the field. Uh, interesting to see them stretch the field a little bit against the Jaguars, but certainly not a ton to take away from that game. And, and when the playoffs start, we'll, we'll see what Mac Jones and this team is made of uh, the Belichick factor, certainly important mm-hmm. in this time of year as well. And then bills by 14 over the Falcons, anything that you took away from the bills in this game, as we start talking about week 18 in the playoffs, I'll tell you what, I'm still worried about them because Josh Allen still did basically they're showing me that they can, they can beat bad to average teams when Josh Allen doesn't have them, but Boy, that game was a struggle because they didn't play well. Josh Allen didn't play well. He had a couple of touchdown runs, but a few bad picks. Um, I think he threw for under 150 yards. It, it, I just, if Josh Allen doesn't figure it out, I don't think this team can go anywhere. And that's, I, I've, I kind of assumed he would start to get his mojo back, but now I'm starting to question it. And they're, they're, they're definitely worrying me. I mean, I imagine as a Bills fan, you're, you're feeling a little concerned at the moment. Definitely. They've been a little bit better in the red zone in the last couple of weeks, which has been Good to see uh, since week 15, they've, they've, I think led the league in red zone conversion percentage of all teams for touchdowns in, in that period of time. But I certainly, it was, it was promising to see them get the run game going, but it sort of felt like they had to, and, and their offensive line has played extraordinarily well in the last couple of weeks defense. It was just a personnel game. Our, our personnel was better than the Falcons personnel. So I'm not taking too much away from that as well, but I certainly, and I, I alluded to being a little iffy on this game last week. And that first half sort of confirmed those suspicions because the Falcons can get frisky at times. And they certainly were in the first, in the first half. But uh, certainly, especially if we get a home game in Buffalo, uh, but if we take care of business this week, uh, that one I'll probably feel decent about. But certainly uh, we are not automatically going to make it to the AFC championship game, sort of like it felt like it might be ordained last year. So, okay, let's talk week 18, a couple games that just really matter. Uh, Let's first talk about the, the Colts versus the Jaguars. Do you think any chance... The Colts have to win this game in order to get into the playoffs. The Jaguars have shown a tendency to play the Colts close a little bit. Do you think there's any chance that that this game goes the Jaguars' way? I mean, I guess if Carson Wentz decides to throw some more left-handed passes, there's a chance. But 
other than that, no, I mean, I, I think the Jaguars have shown to be pretty bad. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to need some work in the off season. Uh, the Colts need this. I think they can just run the ball to victory. Uh, but yeah, the, the Colts certainly didn't look good last week against the Raiders. Uh, like I said, Wentz is still a concern. He can make the plays and he can also cost you, but no, I, I think it's pretty clear that the Colts can take care of business here and certainly should uh, considering that they clinch a playoff spot. If they win, I'm curious what you're changing. Did your thoughts change about Wentz? You, you seemed pretty adamant that you thought they were dark horse Super Bowl contender after week 16. I'm curious what your thoughts are on week 17, knowing what we saw in that game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> boy, am I getting more worried about Carson Wentz? I mean, I, I don't, he's not giving you any reason to feel good about him. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, coming off COVID, you never really know. But, and I still think the Colts, are built to be a dark horse contender, but it's just all going to swing so drastically depending on which Carson Wentz shows up. He's shown that he has the ability to be really good. And he's shown he has the ability to, to be just control the game. He doesn't have to be an all pro. All he's got to do is make plays when they present themselves and don't turn the ball over, which is the most coach speak thing in the world. But really that's how Frank Reich's built this system for the Colts handed off to Jonathan Taylor, 25 times a game, make a handful of throws. If there's a deep option to Michael Pittman or T.Y. Hilton, just make sure you don't overthrow them by 20 yards and just throw the ball with your dominant hand. And that's all you really got to do. And I don't know when sometimes shows that he can do that and sometimes shows that he doesn't. So if he, if he decides to pull an Eli Manning and figure out how to play football for four straight games, then I still believe they're a dark horse. And if he doesn't, then I see them getting crushed in the first round. So it's, I have absolutely no ideas. I guess my long-winded answer. How do you feel about them? Those those pesky AFC South teams and just not being able <laughs> to figure them out. Uh, do I think the Jags could win the game? Sure. Do I think they're going to? No. The 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 Colts obviously are are favored heavily for a reason. It's a must-win game for them. Last week was too, and, and it's hard to know what to infer from teams that are so run heavy and, and what they have to do when they have to pass the ball. And, and you have some question marks about whether or not a quarterback can, can lead them down. And I think Wentz is in that category. I would probably say Tannehill's in that category. I would probably put Jalen hurts in that category based on some of the uh, playoff teams that we have in there. Stafford as well. I, I mean, I, Stafford can drive his team down. They have the offensive weapons to do it. I'm not putting Stafford in the same category as Wentz, but I certainly feel like if, if you want a sustainable winning formula in January, you have to, at some point rely on, on your quarterback and can Wentz get hot? Sure. We just haven't, I, we haven't seen the dominating Wentz game. I don't think there's been a 350 yard, three touchdown game. Lord knows that's not what they're asking him to do, but at the same time, you know, credit to the Colts defense for keeping them in all of these games and, and allowing them to be able to run the ball and play the style that they want to on offense. But as we look ahead with the Colts, obviously they have to win this game. It seems like they will. And we'll see what happens from there in January for sure. And not to get too off topic, but which quarterbacks are you even trusting in the AFC that could lead a team down? I mean, I obviously Mahomes, uh, Burrow, I'd, put Josh, I'd put Burrow in that yeah. category. I'd put Josh Allen Josh in that Allen. category. And I think that's it though. I mean, and maybe, I mean, I, I don't think we've seen it from Justin Herbert consistently enough yet. If they get in, uh, I liked Eric Carr a lot, but I mean, he even, I'm not totally convinced that he can do it if, if they get in the playoffs. So you're looking at three quarterbacks that you legitimately trust to do it when it counts. So, I mean, there's just, that's partially what makes the AFC such a wild card this year. Absolutely. 
And speaking of Derek Carr, the 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 big kahuna, the win in your end game this weekend, Sunday night, Chargers Raiders. Curious just what you're looking at as it relates to that game and, and any any predictions on how you think it's going to shake out. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really don't know. I mean, if we're looking at it just purely from a roster standpoint, I think the Chargers should win this going away. But the Chargers have shown an inability to really put it all together for years now. And this year hasn't really been any different, despite having a Brandon Staley as their new coach and obviously Herbert taking a step in the second year. I mean, I, the way the Raiders are playing has been really, really impressive. They, they do what they need to do to win. And they're doing so with with out Darren Waller, certainly without Henry Ruggs for obvious reasons. And they're just finding ways to play football in a way that puts them in the best position to win. The defense has played much, much better in the last few weeks. And, you know, Carr's not really turning the ball over either. So I think if they, if the Raiders, I think we're going to know within the first 20 minutes of this game, which way it's going to go. Because if the Raiders are able to make it kind of a slug it out, run the ball, you know, three, nothing after the first quarter, I think the Raiders are going to win. But if the Chargers decide to show up and play to their level of talent and it's a 10, you know, 10-3 or 13-3 first quarter and even halfway through the second quarter, then I think the Chargers probably not only win, but they win going away. But that's just kind of how I'm seeing it right now. I, I think that's probably in the realm of, of where I'm at. It, it, the, the Raiders offensive line has been pretty decent. I think Josh Jacobs involvement and, and getting him more touches, he's had about 15 to 20 each of the last five weeks. That's a little bit that that's a good load for him. And I, I, as, as a former bills guy, seeing Derek Carr rely on Zay Jones and, and him having a good game certainly was, was a little bit out of nowhere. And certainly they've had to sort of reconfigure their offense without rugs and without Waller uh, for the last couple of weeks. He hasn't played since Thanksgiving. Waller might come back for this game. And that's going to be something that's really, really interesting. Obviously the chargers have some decent personnel to be able to, to shut Waller down. Derwin James will probably uh, cover him a decent amount. So if he does play, I'm assuming he's at hundred percent because he did practice last week and then didn't end up playing. So I, I would assume we're going to see Darren Waller in this game. So it'll be interesting to see just sort of what, what impact all of that could have. Uh, so the reliance on Josh Jacob, the improved offensive line play, the improved defense, like uh, defensive play, like what you just talked about, makes me think that the Raiders could absolutely win this game. I, I, when you look at sort of just the statistical comparison of of each of these teams, knowing that they've played each other once and and the same division throughout the relatively same schedule, I just think this game is very evenly matched, and I'm not sure that that I feel confident one way or another you know, betting it, we'll, we'll give out a bet because it's kind of the game that matters, but I certainly think it's going to be a great game. And I, I agree with you that we will, will probably know early on sort of the tenor of this game. So I, I just think uh, it, it's an evenly matched game. And, and I know that's not, we're not here for hot takes. We're here for medium lukewarm takes. So key, key point it's, it's the eight thirty game for a reason winning you're in. And I'm really excited to watch it. So, although I think we're both rooting for the NFL's doomsday scenario, which is the Jaguars beat the Colts. And then if the Raiders and chargers tie, they're both in. So we could be getting a Sunday night football with a record number of kneel downs, which would just be so much fun to not only watch, but be on Twitter for. There was that collective Twitter freak out last year when the Eagles Washington game sort of by default was put in there as the Sunday night game and uh, Eagles changed quarterbacks in the second half. And when it was a relatively close game and people were upset, 
But boy, oh boy, I I don't believe that. I think they will play the game the way it's meant to be played. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens if the Jags do beat the Colts and if that happens. I was going to say, play, al- play along with me here for one second. <laughs> Imagine that they decide to do this route and it's nothing but kneel downs. And 30 minutes after they toss to the game, you get the halftime preview with Drew Brees and Maria Taylor and Tony Dungy. And they're just like, uh, uh. <laughs> what's, uh, no what's, for dinner, what's for dinner tomorrow, guys? <laughs> I mean, that alone would be worth it watching those awkward promos. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just, uh, I, I don't see it happening. It's a competitive league, but Lord knows, yeah. You know, who knows if there is a handshake? I I don't know. I don't know. I I can't imagine it's happening, but it's so much fun to speculate. Plus, (laughs) it requires the the Jaguars to beat the Colts, which I think we both agree is probably not going to happen. As someone who teased the Jaguars up to 23, plus 23 and a half against the Patriots uh, and was sorely disappointed in one parlay, I I completely, uh, completely understand. So, okay, let's recap. Look. T's and TDs, just elite week one. And and oh. we're, we're never going to be this elite again. You and I, between us, basically gave out five picks. We went four and one. Uh, you and I were on different sides of the Rams-Ravens game, although admittedly, I was just in fade the public mode with the Ravens, and uh, that that ended up paying off. Uh, so uh, it was it was that was the one that we missed. But you you nailed the Bengals money line. You had a good feeling on that. A lot of a lot of people certainly did that. The value of them near plus two hundred was great. So we got that. And then I was adamant about the Bengals over uh, with the Chiefs. That certainly hit relatively quickly. And then I gave out the Packers covering six and a half, which is when Cousins was playing. It ended up ended up getting up, I think, to thirteen and a half, maybe twelve and a half. So that they still uh, covered ended yeah. up happening. And then uh, I gave out the Eagles minus three and a half. They won by four, but that is a half point more than we needed. So it is all good. Um, Let's talk a little bit about week 18 betting strategy period. I, I stay away from the last week of the season from games that don't matter. And I want to be very clear about that. Take the week off. If you want, just chill, save, save some bullets for the playoffs uh, is my main recommendation. However, and we will talk about the game that matters and a couple, one other thing that I like. One of the things that I always like doing in week 18, and if you live in a state where you can do live betting, this is something that I at least just for these one o'clock games, monitor some of the teams that especially are home and get off to fast starts against teams that have to win. Because Mm -hmm. these teams that are big dogs at home we saw it with, I, I, I made a decent amount of money on a, on a Miami new England game. I believe the game was in new England, but Fitzpatrick pulled it off that if they get out to an early lead and you still get decent plus odds on them with the money line during the game in the first half, end of the first half, something I really like. So a couple of games that I have on my radar as it relates to that, again, not a thousand percent advocating that you bet these pregame, see how the game starts. Maybe these teams pull it off. The Texans and the Titans is one that I am going to be monitoring. The Jaguars and the Colts, just in case the Jaguars Mm. are frisky. And then on Saturday, the Broncos and the Chiefs. That game, that line's about 10 and a half. I still think you'll get plus odds if the Broncos are up seven or 10 at halftime. I think. And to be clear, what what you're really advocating here for is is looking at the point spreads more so than a money line bet. So you're not saying, hey, we're midway through the first quarter. Jags money line's looking pretty hot right now. 
I still like I I I am advocating for money line. I'm going to be completely. Oh, frank okay. With you. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. This is okay. this is look. It, it, the, it, if you get plus odds, I I love plus odds. And if 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 there's a world where the Broncos are up ten at halftime against the Chiefs, I certainly would take those ten points and and place a small money line bet. And, and that's, that's just something I do re- again, all of this is recreationally, not a ton of money that we're talking about here, but certainly, uh, something that I, I, I take a look at. So do you have any other week 18 things? Well, I was just going to say, cause when you look at yourself and say, what do I believe in week 18? It's the Trevor Lawrence Davis mills drew lock parlay. Cause what could be stronger? Uh, for, <laughs> I mean, for week 18, I, I'm a very much a stay away guy. Mm-hmm. I, I have a Pick a couple games that you like, you feel good about for whatever reason, uh, teams that you've trusted that have come through and that have some kind of stakes in this, but you've trusted through the season. So a good example, last year with the Miami Dolphins, I think they played pretty well. And then they had that last uh, week 17 game against the Bills. And the Bills didn't have a whole lot to play for, but they had, but really that was it. They didn't have a lot to play for. And the Dolphins had everything to play for. But, you know, that team had showed some cracks and sure enough, the Bills just came out and stomped them. I mean, I, I didn't see it coming, but that was the type of game where I looked at and said, okay, there were some signs that this Dolphins team was starting to, to kind of crawl to the finish line. Maybe they're not a team I want to put my trust in. So that would be my advice is that if you're going to look at some of these games, particularly some of these seemingly somewhat meaningless games, look at the team that's playing well, that's been playing hard. Look at a, a Detroit Lions team or something like that, or on the flip side of it, and this is kind of... T- teasing my bet a little bit, a team playing terribly, which would be like the New York Giants, I think are are an easy team to pick on. So those are the teams that I would, I would look at this time of year, but in general, I'm saving bullets for the playoffs. I think that's the right strategy. All right. I've got two that I admittedly don't love, but for the sake of the exercise, I will dish out anyways. Uh, So why don't you go first? Who, Who, which, which best bets do you like for week 18? All right. I got two as well. As I, as I get them, prepared to write these down and take notes, go ahead. Oh, cause, cause we're so hot. <laughs> One of them's a little bit of a cheat, but it's just, I feel like it's easy money given what's going on. Uh, it's a, a little parlay, uh, chiefs, Cowboys, Titans, all money line parlays to win minus 112. So basically you're getting even odds with a little vig for that. Uh, the chiefs over the Broncos, I think is pretty easy considering uh, that they still have a shot at the number one seed. And that's the Saturday game. Uh, Cowboys Eagles Eagles literally have nothing to play for. And I suspect they'll treat this similar to a bye week. Maybe they play their starters in the first half, but the Cowboys still have a lot a bit to play for seating wise. So I think they'll come out and win that game. Uh, and then the Titans, you know, Titans lock up the number one seed if they can beat the Texans in Houston. So I, I think that's pretty easy. And my last one, and I love this bet. I can't tell you how much I love this Washington football team over six or there, excuse me, they're six and a half point favorites over the giants. And I love them to cover it for basically a really simple reason. I'll give you a name, Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm, who came in and played, I think it was two weeks ago mm-hmm. and was so bad. The giants said, Hey, we should go back to Mike Glennon, the guy who can't throw for a hundred yards anymore. Well, Glennon's hurt. He's out for the season with wrist injury. So Fromm is back in the starting lineup. It's either him or some practice squad quarterback that they're just calling up. And in terms of the giants, even when they were more healthy, they've, they haven't scored more than 13 points since the first week of November. Excuse me. They've only done it once. They had one game where they scored more than 13 points. since the first week of November. And the last three weeks they've scored 19 points combined. So yeah, I think Washington plays hard. I think uh, riverboat Ron's a good coach. 
I like Heineke. I think they absolutely destroy the Giants. So I'm not only, I really, really love the six and a half and I'm probably taking the under on the point total too, regardless of what it is, because the Giants offense is just an absolute disaster. Love those. Those are both pretty Bet good. The mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> T's and TDs does not recommend betting any mortgage. Um, so uh, as much as I want to make a pick in the, in the chargers Raiders game, cause it's, it's the one that definitely matters the most. I think I really like the over in that game. It's not going to fly over. I don't think like we, like I felt confident that the Bengals chiefs would last week, but I do get this sense that if Waller comes back, that this game could turn track meet ish. And I, I just, I really trust both of these offenses right now. And I know that's crazy to say about the Raiders, given that they haven't necessarily been the most consistent, but I just think if Waller comes back the way Jacobs seems to be running the way that offensive line is playing, who knows if the emergence of Zay Jones is an emergence indeed. But um, I certainly think that that both of these offenses are, are very multifaceted and, and the defenses have shown sometimes an inability to, to make stops when they need to uh, the chargers, especially. So uh, I, I certainly like that game. Uh, anytime it's under 50 uh, that's certainly something I'm going to be paying close attention to. So uh, I'm going to give that one out as my best bet. Um And then I really like the under in the Arizona Seattle game. Uh, It's at 48 right Mm. now. Mm -hmm. I, I am just getting the vibes. Yes. Seattle's offense had an amazing performance against the lions last week. I get that. They, they flew over this total by themselves. And, and I understand that Brashad Penny was amazing. He was that first round pick that we thought he'd be. And, and it was, it was absolutely fun to, to, to see their, their offense do what, you kind of always like seeing Russell Wilson and that offense do all year. I just get this sense that Arizona is going to want to be healthy going in to their next game uh, into whoever they play the first round of the playoffs. I don't think we'll see James Connor. I don't know if we'll get high utilization from, uh, from chase Edmonds as well. AJ green is a little bit up there in, in years as well. They want to have him healthy. They want to have Hopkins healthy, uh, for when Hopkins comes back for the playoffs, which is the plan as of right now. Mm-hmm. And I just see a world where, where Arizona, I, I'm not saying they're going to phone this one in, but I just don't know if we're going to get the, the lethal off- offensive performance from them you know, against the Cowboys, they scored 25. I I just, I see a world where, where this game's more of a, Hey, let's take it easy and just get there type of game. And I don't know if, if, if Seattle's offense uh, can do that again. And, and who knows what we'll get out of Seattle's offense as well. So that's a, that's a, that's a game that I just, I, I, I was looking at some of the totals and it's a number that felt a little bit high for me based on, on, what my expectations are. And and I wasn't there when you first said that I'm going, "Mm, I don't know about that. But after hearing your explanation, I I like that bet a lot. I just don't know if Arizona, you know, we could sit here and make bets based on, you know, what we think the seeding game would be. And certainly the Cowboys have a a wider range of outcomes, I think, than the Cardinals do, but just get a, get a feeling that that game is, is going to stay under, under the, the total. So. All right, so we have a Chiefs, Cowboys, Titans money line parlay from you, and a Washington football team minus six and a half over the Giants. And for me, we have the Chargers, Raiders over, and the Cardinals, Seahawks under. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Aaron? 
No, I mean, this has been fun. I, I love the fact that we're getting to talk about week 18 for the first time ever. Uh, and it's, you know, Sunday night's going to be a blast. Another game I'm really looking forward to that Rams 49ers game. Sneaky good. Sneaky yep. good. Yeah. Because if the Niners lose, they're pretty much out. If the Niners lose, Saints win. So that suddenly has a lot of little playoff implications there. And the Rams have a bit to play for seating wise, because I'm sure they would love to get up to number two and play a, a beat up Saints team with no quarterback. So it's uh, that's going to be a fun one. So it's going to be a fun, fun Sunday, Saturday, too, I guess. So fun weekend of football. And then we we get the Uber wildcard week. So it's good stuff, bud. I love it. Love it. Well, I'm sure I'll be uh, texting you about why did we make that bet uh, over the weekend? So I will uh, I'll look forward to it. The legend of Jake Fromm is going to live. <laughs> hey, the Bills saw something. So uh, maybe there is something there. All right. Aaron Martin, thanks so much for joining, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, buddy. All right. So we're here with the golf interview. I was looking at the list of people that I wanted to have as golf guests. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. I know a guy who's played Kapalua in the last six months and uh, can come on and talk a little bit about the course. And he's a big golf fan too. Um, so it's going to be good to have his perspective on the pros and the course that he played. He's a single digit handicapper. His name's Brad Lewis. He's a good buddy of mine from Pittsburgh, Brad. Thanks for coming on T's and TDs. How you doing? David, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me doing pretty well. I always say I, I, I'm a big PGA tour guy, but as you train for marathons and listen to PGA tour radio while you were running, that's just a, a next level thing on top of taking your clubs on your honeymoon all the way to Hawaii, uh, for Kapalua. So, uh, your commitment to the game is unparalleled and, and it's an honor to know you. Well, let's talk about that for a minute okay. because you brought up two, two things here. Yes. I train for marathons. And my training is either no music or it's PGA tour radio, typically the Sunday or Saturday rounds of the tournaments. I could see it so like being just, e easy to get lost in it. I, I completely understand. Right. I mean, hearing the soft whispers <laughs> of PGA tour radio with Rory McElroy lining up for a five foot putt. I mean, it's just beautiful. It, it, it's calming music. It, it's not, it's better than music. It's calming radio. Love it. It just helps me. Love it. And then, yes, I did bring my clubs to Hawaii for our honeymoon, but this was, this was a, uh, this was, my wife had actually said to bring the clubs. This wasn't a, I'm going to bring my clubs. Is this okay? Permission thing. It's <laughs> you can bring your clubs down. This is your 30th birthday gift. So I was happy that I was able to bring them. And I did actually play two times. I played at a resort course, not too far from our hotel. And then I got to play the plantation course. All right. Let's, let's, let's talk plantation course. Tell me just, uh, as a, as a five or six handicapper that I know you are, uh, just give me like two or three things, your impressions of the course, just playing there. Cause on TV, it looks beautiful, wide open, big greens, uh, very hilly, uh, windy as well. Were, were those your impressions and, and how'd you make your way around the course? Yes. So stunning views. I mean, the ocean, uh, is really just all around the course with that. You have a lot of different elevation that you have to factor in. And the wind is the wind was probably the biggest factor I'd say. You have, uh, you have a very difficult first hole. The first hole is a really tough hole. It is downhill, but when you're not used to playing that course, 
you don't know what club to hit off the tee. So I hit a driver and I have a downhill 120 yard shot in this, you know, what I thought was straight down the middle, but ended up being a, a very challenging shot that I then hit into the, into the higher fescue. Mm-hmm. So it was a rough first hole, but if you know your the way around the course and you can navigate it, birdies are definitely feasible. Um, you have a back nine that's a little bit shorter to start, but it's all into the wind. So even though the hole was maybe 350, it's playing over 400 yards uphill. So you're clubbing up one or two extra clubs on those holes into the wind. You go into 17 and 18. And if you look at the scorecard, okay, like 677, 550, 18, right? <laughs> seven, 17 is 550 yards, but it's all downhill. In, and it's usually with the wind helping you, right? So, you know, you're hitting 350 yard drives, even if you miss it a little bit and your second shot's tough on 17, but it's a, it's a birdie hole as well. And then 18 is the 670 yard par five that you just grip it and rip it. Love it. And, and all these pros are going to, are going to make the green into no question. I, I was, I, I laid up, but certainly you can go forward and two, uh, if you hit your drive decent. So just to be able to go into the uh, locker room though, and see the names of all the, uh, I think I sent you a video back in, in July when I went and saw, you know, your, your boy, Tony was there. He had a locker, a few other tiger had a locker just to see that and be in that uh, environment was awesome. Cool. All right, let's talk about who you like for this week. Uh, you mentioned it's easier to make birdies. Uh, the last couple of years of this tournament, we've seen some really low scores. Harris English uh, won at 25 under. 2020, a bit of an outlier, only 14 under, but there was a lot of wind that year. Uh, Xander, 23 under in 19. DJ, 24 under in 18. And JT, 22 under in 17. So, and we also have to remember, this is like a pretty short and limited field of all the people who won last year, Tournament of Champions. So everybody that's in this field is obviously incredibly good, um, but it, uh, you got to have guys out there who can definitely make birdies, uh, guys who generally hit it a long way. I know they all do, but uh, for the tour, distance is a bit of an advantage. And I read something from thelines.com that was really interesting just talking about how some of these holes um, so that here, here are the following par fours uh, on the course, uh, a couple of the shorter ones, three, four, six, 10, 12, 13, 14, and 16. Now 14 is 301 yards from where the pros play, but the other ones I named are between 370 and 425 yards. Obviously wind is a factor, but the, the argument that this site was making was basically like short game matters because these guys can bomb it off the tee with uh, reckless abandon, decent amount of room to miss, and obviously they're pros, so they can get it down there. So short game around the green, uh, especially on those holes, can be can be really important. So in terms of like handicapping this, that was something that I kept in mind. But uh, walk me through some guys that you like, and it's one of the only par 73s. I think it's the only par 73 on the tour. Um, so it's 7,500 yards. Wind is obviously a factor, but that, that extra, uh, the that extra stroke or two or three compared to some courses on tour, uh, makes things interesting as well. So walk me through, uh, who you like this weekend. Well, I mean, just 
based on your description, I'm curious to see how Bryson's going to play. That's a, that's a name I didn't write down, but thinking about his short game and how that's been an area uh, that he has been working on. I mean, he's he's actually turned out to be a pretty good putter, and I think those statistics are pretty strong. So he might be an interesting pick here. I don't love picking Bryson, but I think he might be interesting just to watch him and see how he how he bombs it down on some of these, uh, you know, into the wind par fours to see if he actually will hit a driver or not. But it's hard to to not want to pick JT. I think Justin Thomas just screams, you know, top three this this tournament. He's always up there. He's a two time pass champ. Uh, good ball striker knows how to hit into the wind. And has a, you know, if that putter is rolling, this is his tournament, I think. So the big part that was the if that you mentioned is if he's rolling putts. And I just don't necessarily see, I didn't see him, you know, putt super well at the end of last year. And that's just something that I probably won't believe till I see it. Obviously, he's a birdie maker. Obviously, he's a guy who can get hot in an absolute fury and flurry and roll a lot of butt putts for birdie, but I just, uh, I don't know. He, he seems like an obvious pick given how good he's been, but I'm just not hundred percent sure. I'm going to have the full faith and confidence in him this week, but I understand the sentiment course history has to matter to some extent. So, uh, any other names that you like? Colin Morikawa mm. sticks out to me. You know, he just is such a strong iron player. And this course, if you are hitting your irons close, you know, it's not a difficult course, and he's just such a, a good iron player. I think that's a name that I like this week. Uh, and my final name is going to be Victor, Victor Hovland. He's actually one of the only ones who has been playing consistently in the fall, and he's been playing well. I think he won Tiger's tournament. The Hero World Challenge, yeah. Right. I mean, I know it wasn't, you know, a great uh, more than a ton of people in that tournament, but I just, I just think he's, he's already warmed up. He's, he won a couple of times this year and I just think that momentum will help him out this, this tournament. I like that pick a lot. Uh, DraftKings has Victor Hovland at 12 to one. And again, you're not going to get an amazing odds, uh, for a winner on this tournament, but 12 to one, 14 to one, uh, 12 to one, excuse me. Uh, is certainly uh, a number worth putting a little taste on. I want to give you a couple names on my end. I have Hobland as well. Uh, he's third in birdie or better percentage and has been playing relatively well through the fall. So if you want to look at someone who can roll a lot of birdies and uh, is in relatively good form, uh, Victor seems like you know somebody who's obvious to, to pick. Uh, and he does hit it a long way. And he strikes his irons extraordinarily well, uh, too. Not as good as Colin Morikawa, but certainly uh, he can stick it close. And his short game obviously has been much improved. So as I was kind of giving that hint about hitting it a long way, being pretty good around the greens, relatively good with the putter. Victor's a guy who definitely stands out to me and 12 to one, you know, five bucks on that. You can uh, uh, win a decent amount of money uh, for the, for the value of the investment. Two other guys I really want to bring up Sam Burns in that same vein. uh, He's a gainer across the board. He hits the ball a long way when he gets hot with his irons. He's an incredible guy to watch. And, you know, he knocked on the door in a lot of tournaments last year and 
does he have sort of the ability to make a lot of birdies? I would say so. Maybe not to some of the extent uh, as some other guys that we've seen, but he's a guy who can get hot that I really like at 14 to one. And then I brought him up last week as, as a guy I was really excited to watch this year. And while Jason Kokrak is not a incredible guy strokes gained around the greens wise. So that, that goes away from the, the theory that I'm kind of playing with as my general overarching theme here. I definitely think he hits it a long way and he puts it extraordinarily well can make a lot of birdies. Doesn't, doesn't have sort of the birdie pedigree as some other guys, but him at 25 to one feels, feels like decent value uh, to at least put a very, very small smidgen on. And then like, you know, in terms of value, those, those are the guys that stick out to me. Finau is also 22 to one. I am unbiased. I'm, I am biased when it, on Finau when, it comes to, when it comes to Finau, <laughs> but uh, 22 to one. Uh, birdie ability. Who knows what he's going to do with the putter? You, you know, he's just, you never know uh, with Finau and the putter, but, but he's, a, he's another guy that I like. And then Xander, and I'm giving out a lot of names here, but Xander's another guy who's in the, the, the Sam Burns kind of mold and also DraftKings. Kings. Uh, they're the only ones who I see who have odds up, have him at 14 to one. So certainly, uh, you know, when you have these types of odds in this type of short tournament, field it's not i'm not necessarily going nuts with with placing many wagers but if you spread you know 15 or 20 bucks across five or six guys uh it makes the tournament a little bit more interesting to watch so those are some of the names that i'm uh that i'm gonna go for as well any other final thoughts here two names we have to mention john rom mm. haven't haven't uh had him in a lot of tournaments recently but you know he's coming in as the world number one i think if colin wins he would become the number one golfer uh, in the rankings, but John Rahm, you know, it's, it's fun to have him in tournaments again and Phil Mickelson coming back, playing this tournament for the first time, I think in Hawaii, it's just fun to see, uh, you know, Phil in the tournaments. I know it's January golf is, you know, far away, but it, it's just nice to see a good field. You know, you, you know, talk with, you talk about Champions. guys. You talk about guys who hit it a long way that have decent short <laughs> games. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I think he's very much towards the bottom. Yeah, one hundred and thirty to one. Yeah, those to, odds aren't great. The draft those odds aren't great, but he might. You might roll in a couple chip ins, and uh, you know, it's it's just it's just a good field. It's going to be fun. They have a good time with this tournament, and I think it'll be fun to watch it when we're not watching. You know, NFL week 18. I was going to say we get a little bit of a uh, super duper West coast golf. And, and uh, this, this, I think the final round is on like NBC sports from six to eight on Sunday, which is always Great. an absolute blast. So <laughs> Brad Lewis, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, some good insights about the course, which I appreciate. And uh, we'll have you on again, another time to be determined. My one last thing you asked at the beginning before we were on, if, if I had any picks for the year, love it. Give me something. My boy, Scotty Scheffler, mm. he is so close, mm-hmm. you know, like a Sam Burns knocking on the door at these tournaments, great ball striker, love that fade he has on the ball. I think he knows how to work it uh, at a lot of these courses. So I look for him early in the year. I think he had a pretty good year in 2021 at the beginning of the year and then, you know, kind of stayed consistent, but I, I'd like to see him. I think he can win one or two even before. Uh, we really get into the swing of things with, with, uh, you know, the masters and the, 
in the rest of the majors. Definitely. He'd be a guy who'd be great in this field, but unfortunately he didn't win last year. And, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, no. that's the way this, this operates. But, uh, certainly when you talk about a guy who can pour birdies in, uh, I like him a lot. So, all right, that concludes this episode, uh, episode two of T's and TDs, Brad Lewis. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you all for listening and everybody have a good one.